This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Toad, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, Ed. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, so it'd be it'd be an even better day if uh, we remembered to hit record. Or I, I can't say we and throw you under the bus. For the last five minutes, have been talking over uh, a system that is not recording. So yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, we said some really amazing and insightful things that I simply will not remember this time around. Yeah, I don't know how many NDAs I I just tore up, but you know, that. <laughs> That tape never made it anyway, so so no harm, no foul. But uh, we were just getting into the topic of Stack Overflow. So there's a survey that Stack Overflow uh, produces every year, it's like this annual uh, technology event where people go on to Stack Overflow to answer these survey questions. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, the, it's quite a popular survey. And it's yeah. been on for quite some time. Yeah, it's, uh, we hundred thousand developers took the survey, so you know it's significantly. I'd say, based on the other surveys I've seen, at least ten times larger than most of the other ones I've seen. Yeah, hundred thousand uh, developers. I wonder what the average time on the survey is. I bet you could actually add up the cost that this survey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it says it. It says it's a thirty-minute survey, so. 30-minute survey, and uh, they have everybody's salaries on here that answered questions. <laughs> you could you could come up with a number that that says like, how like much this cost. Yeah. yeah, how much uh, how much cost was accrued for the, the the survey as a whole? That'd be an interesting number to look at. I wonder if somebody's already done that somewhere. If um, if anybody finds that out, tweet me at Ed Charbonneau on Twitter. I'd love to see that. Um, so. We're going to get into a couple of the, uh, I guess, what, what I would consider key questions on the survey. Um, mm. One of those uh, is the most loved, dreaded, and wanted languages. I think this is a really um, telling part of the survey. Uh, it gives you good insight as to what people are using, um, at least Stack Overflow users are using. And uh, it's... Um, it, it's pretty interesting the way things shake down in this this top loved languages list. So at the very top, like the first top two or three languages, uh, I'm not even familiar with. Like I've heard of them. <laughs> I'm familiar with Python. The first two, the Rust and Kotlin, Kotlin, some yeah. go some Google thing. <laughs> That's all I know about it. No, I I, I thought Kotlin was. Uh... What's their names? The ones who make the um, WebStorm and um, all that. I thought that's who was behind Kotlin. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. So that's that's how much I know about it. I thought this was something. Yeah, JetBrains. Google it's was JetBrains. behind. So this no, is the JetBrains. JetBrains language for what mobile development then? Uh, well, it says yeah, modern multi-platform applications, interoperable with Java and Android. Hmm. So, so, yeah. Interestingly enough, it, it says it can be compiled to JavaScript source code. 
So yeah, we'll, we'll I, get into that in a minute too. Yeah, I, I do. It is interesting that it's number two, number you know number two and and number one being Rust, which I mean I've heard about, but I haven't seen a lot about. Um, and it could be just kind of the the communities we tend to you know fall within, but but it is somewhat interesting. And in fact, looking at this list, I tend to feel like it, it's representative more. It tells you more about who answered the survey than it does about what developers overall use or yeah. love now, to use. Now this is loved. This doesn't necessarily mean this is what people are going to at work and using nine to five either. True. So yeah. you got to take that with a grain of salt, but um, it does kind of uh, make this very interesting that uh, we've got a uh, language that belongs to um, JetBrains up at the top here. And uh, a look, what looks to be, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll be corrected here, but Rust looks to be like a uh, functional programming, multi-threaded geared language. Uh, so yep. picturing well, a lot of server side or multi-threaded applications being run on. Well, and here's, here's an interesting thing. You can actually look at what people actually, what, what, what people are using, right? Based on, from all the respondents, rather than love, dreaded, and wanted, JavaScript being number one, HTML number two, CSS number three, right? Where does where does uh, Kotlin fall? At 4.5%. And where's Rust? <laughs> where's Rust? Not even, didn't even make the list. So this is a very vocal minority. That's uh... So, yeah, so either, you know, either that or, or something people have read about and are really interested in trying but haven't decided to do it yet. I love it. I just don't love it enough to use it. So yeah, it's not, it's not on the page. It's not on the list at all. So you know, I, it, it's weird the way developers answer these questions, right? I mean, these are I guess these are the things we we'd rather be doing than what we're doing today, right now at work. I'd, maybe that's what you can interpret it as. I'd rather be using Rust. I'd rather be using Rust. That sounds weird. Like I know it's like programming languages don't always have like upbeat names but rust just sound i don't know just sounds so meh like it's rust <laughs> yeah it's not stainless steel it's it's not it's rust meanwhile it's at the at the uh, most dreaded all right these are actually not that surprising right visual basic six. Oh, vb6 being most dreaded now like I, I would, yeah. I would dread having to use VB6 myself, uh, having used it Cobol. before. Uh, Cobol, I've yeah. never used, but you know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's old. Who, so wants to? who wants to use that? Right? Coffee script, yeah. I mean, even even at its height, uh, you know, more people probably hated Coffee Script than loved it. Yeah, so that's a it's kind of like the Donald Trump of one. JavaScript languages. Considering, <laughs> the, ouch, going <laughs> Brian Rinaldi going political on the show. Uh, so interestingly enough, Coffee Script is third on the dreaded, while yeah. TypeScript is fourth on the the loved. So are these? Yeah. Are these haters well, from the uh, beloved TypeScript crowd like dumping on CoffeeScript, or is it just CoffeeScript sucks? I think it's legit. I mean, I think people never really CoffeeScript never caught on for a number of reasons. I mean, so and meanwhile, TypeScript has so despite the clever naming, 
coffee script never uh, never caught on. Yeah. So, you know, and the most I don't I'm not even sure what to make of the most wanted. What does wanted mean? What does that even mean? I'm not sure, but uh, I'm I'm still kind of dwelling on the the uh, dreaded at how VBA managed to edge out VB.net for fourth place while VB.net gets or sorry fifth place while VB.net gets fourth place. So, like I know that's a fine line, but but really VBA yeah. guys like that should be up there near VB six somewhere. Okay, so here's so loved loved means like people. Uh, like, who use it want to continue using it right yeah wanted whereas wanted means that that people who aren't using it but would like to learn it right um so you heard it was cool which, now you want to be cool too so that's what you're going to reach for right so 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 i guess what we're saying is people who use rust love using rust <laughs> is what we're saying people use typescript love using typescript typescript still ends up like number five it's well above so for those who you know, don't already love typescript these are the people that want to learn it and yeah then then so if on they the do it learn it it will end up in one of the other two buckets so put it this way people who don't know javascript um like people want to learn javascript more than they want to learn typescript but it's not it's still they're still fairly both fairly high up on the list it seems like this is a list you would like to be on if you're behind the language or one of the companies or consortiums that produce the language uh, where you would not want to be on the dreaded list, but you would, you'd want to be on the loved list. So this is a, this is a positive column to be in Python rocking number one, um, which is also number three on the loved list. So those, that Python man, people are really interested in this thing. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't blame them. I've done a little bit of, uh, something similar to Python and it's pretty, pretty easy to get, uh, your, your brain wrapped around that stuff. It's a pretty cool language, especially with all the machine learning stuff coming up right now. There's a lot of Python for that. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, JavaScript, uh, web stuff's hot. Um, JavaScript powering the web for the time being. Um, so that's very popular as well. So the, the wanted and the loved kind of align pretty well here. These are pretty, pretty similar results. Yep. To some degree. Yes, that's true. So let's take this and segue on to development environments and tools, because I think some of those things will kind of filter in, uh, to what we're seeing here. So we have. Uh, this is nice. They break it down by web developer, mobile developer, sysadmins, and all respondents. So out of all respondents, uh, Visual Studio Code is at the top with 34.9% uh, yeah. of the votes. Yeah. And then... With Visual Studio not far behind. Right? Yeah, so. it's 0.6 points behind is Visual Studio. Uh, rightfully so. That's it's a great great tool to do some dev in. Uh, well, just you know, right? This according to this survey, Microsoft is basically owning the you know the development tool space there, development environment or whatever. Yeah. So whether you love or hate Microsoft because of Windows or some other app experience or hardware or whatever they've put you through and and maybe given you a, a bad. 
uh, impression. Uh, having developed with Visual Studio for quite some time, and then uh, seeing Visual Studio Code come around and quickly, quickly pick up a bunch of users that were, um, you know, Sublime Text or Notepad plus plus or one of these other languages, or sorry, uh, tools. Um, it's pretty interesting uh, having the opinion that that one of the best products Microsoft's ever produced is Visual Studio. Uh, Visual Studio Code is right up there with it. Yeah, I love Visual Studio Code. Um, I, I can't imagine going back to a different editor right now. So yeah, I, you know, I talk about Visual Studio a lot, and there's some people that don't want to use it because of reasons, um, and then. You know, you you always get anytime you kind of debate these things, you get somebody that will say, "Well, you've just never used X, Y, or Z." Uh, and, you know, often that's not actually the case. I've used um, Eclipse, and um, it's not one of my favorite things to touch. Really, really <laughs> not it. Like I, I joke that yeah. you know, Eclipse is named that way because if you stare at it too long, it <laughs> make you go blind. I, I think you know. I think you. Most people ended up feeling that way about Eclipse. I, I know there was a brief period of time where I felt that, you know, I I really enjoyed working with Eclipse because it was significantly better than what I had at the time. But that didn't that didn't last yeah. long. <laughs> it quickly became like, oh my god, let me let me start Eclipse, come back a half an hour later, and it'll have booted up. <laughs> Yeah, it always had a kind of an awkward interface, um, but I had to do some Java, and that was kind of like the only way to do it properly at the time. So uh, wasn't my favorite experience. Uh, I've never really got into Sublime Text. I remember I've, I downloaded it, did like a trial of it, never really kept up with it. Uh, it was probably more on my own part. I just didn't didn't find the, the niche for it. Just uh, I already had Visual Studio, so it did what I needed to do. Uh, VS yeah. Code... VS Code's nice for a lightweight editor. Yeah, no, it is. It's really nice for a lightweight editor. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, really cool enhancements in there to help with code completion and all that stuff. Um, you know, they've kind of taken the best bits of Visual Studio and made them lightweight and uh, you know, fast load times, cross-platform, you name it. And I think that's why it's been so successful over the last, like, what, two years? Yeah, I agree. I, I think they did. They did pretty much everything right with code. Um, you know, I know our, our old buddy Burke is going around trying to sell it, but I don't even think it needs a lot of selling. It just really ends up selling itself for the most part. Yeah, one of and, and the alternatives have kind of you know not kept up. So, yeah, one of the things that I find interesting about VS Code, and I'm not I'm not trying to imply anything at all. I, I mean that sincerely too, is if you take Visual Studio Code and you start adding, you know, all of these plugins for it, uh, eventually what you get is something that's closer on par with Visual Studio itself. Um, it's just cross-platform. So it's just kind of interesting to watch, like it slowly evolve into Visual Studio somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, but out of the box... It does a lot of the stuff like a you know somebody like me, who focuses mostly on front end or or just JavaScript in general. Like it does a lot of that without a ton of plugins. Yeah, yeah. It, it 
I only have a it. It does work well without plugins. And the other thing is that plugins are optional, right? Uh, so Visual Studio yeah. Code is kind of like an opt-in scenario. And uh, Visual Studio, until like the recent installer, and even somewhat now, like it's more of an opt-out. Like you can go in and like uncheck certain things to be installed, but it's like I said, more of an opt-out. Like, like eh, I really don't need these things. Take them off. I don't need to fill up my disk and load times with... Uh, I don't know, you know, Android editing experience like stuff if I don't if I don't use it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and they've added some of the key things out of the box anyway. I I, I believe even things like uh prettier come now pre-installed, mm -hmm. right? Which is awesome for formatting your code. So some of the key things you'd want to be able to use are just right yeah. there anyway. But it's still it's still really lightweight. So they, they they really did a great job with it. I'm I'm very impressed. But then again, I mean, gotta admit, even even during the times when when Microsoft had a you know not as glowing reputation as they do today, um, that even then they they always made the best IDEs and editors and stuff. So that was kind of their their bread and butter in terms of the developer space. Is Visual Studio always kind of made some of the competition look look terrible so and i didn't even use it that yeah. much <laughs> yeah so if we break this down into web developers it kind of stays the same like uh all respondents versus web developers not much changes here um so i think like intellij and vim are like fifth and sixth and they kind of swap positions with each other but other than that it's pretty much the same idea um Mobile development. I am. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The mobile development surprises me a little bit because because it's like here you have fifty six percent using Android Studio, but only thirty five using Xcode. Yeah. So uh, so what are they doing their iOS development let's, in? Let's take another thing into account here. Um, so we have you know people who can't see these numbers can put it in perspective. Android Studio number one with fifty six percent. VS Code number two with 36 percent then xcode is number three yeah. with 35 percent um and then even further down uh at fourth is visual studio so out of the top five if you want to include notepad as the top the fifth one only one of those is capable of producing ios applications directly am i am i right Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Not including Xamarin or whatever. Yeah. So, so people are either I mean, doing, yeah. you know, multi-targeting with with uh, Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio. I really Notepad. <laughs> notepad. Yeah. I mean, this this is where this is where it gets into. Sometimes you got to wonder, you know, who the audience, you know, perhaps, perhaps there the, the audience of Stack Overflow leans leans towards uh, .NET developers, you know, are, are heavily represented. Yeah, that's know. interesting. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, some of the, some of the answers might lead you to believe like, okay, that, that they have, you know, or heavily .NET audience. Yeah, something has know. to be slightly amiss here because if you think, you know, anecdotally anyway, um, the, the App Store in the Apple app store is not void of applications. Like there, there's, yeah. a, there's just as many, if not more in the Apple store than there are on Android. 
Um, they're probably more on Android, but you also have a lot more shovelware on Android and crapware. Um, but as far as quality, you know, first tier apps, uh, I'd say they're pretty much at parity, right? You've got your, you know, banks and Spotify's and all those things. Um, and maybe this is cor- corporate dev. Well, like maybe this is you know, behind firewall application development. I mean, look, even the fact that Visual Basic 6 made it as to the top. Okay, so like if you look at the dreaded ones, I mean, they don't, it didn't show up in the loved, but mm-hmm. the dreaded, right? That 89.9% dreaded, like whatever people dread Visual Basic 6. I'm going to tell you, like if I answered this, Visual Basic 6 wouldn't even made my, I don't even, I don't know anything about it. Visual Basic it's, 6. It so you had, yeah, you had to have used it to be, be able to yeah. dread it, <laughs> I get. So, so in that sense, I mean, it, it tends to imply that there probably is a lot of people who have done some degree of, of .NET or Microsoft-focused development in this, in the, you know, in the in, mm-hmm. in the respondents. And then uh, this is an interesting one: sysadmin and DevOps. Um, I would definitely expect a different tool chain here, and that comes becomes quite apparent uh, as soon as you look at the numbers, right? Yeah. Yep. So you always got to take these things with a grain yeah, of salt, right? So Vim is number one there <laughs> on the sysadmin side of things, which makes sense to me. I mean, it's more command shell-like than IDE-like. So uh, I can totally see where that makes sense. Uh, Notepad++ lands at third. Visual Studio Code at number two. Um, VS Code, though, still rocking a high number there, uh, even with sysadmins and stuff, so... VS Code, all the things. I think that's the the, the yep. overall takeaway of the survey uh, thus far. I think it's just the influence yeah, of Burke. It's really we need a that's trend. all it is. This is we need all a trend Burke's line doing. that shows when Burke joined Microsoft versus when these numbers picked up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so if if you're not aware yet that Burke is a, an ex coworker of ours that now. Uh, works as an advocate for Visual Studio Code in Azure. Uh, so we will pick on him as much as we possibly can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Always. We could get into top paying technologies. Let's touch it real quick. Uh, this is kind of, kind of uh, it's interesting to mention, but not worth digging into too much, other than maybe the two tabs that we have here. So global, um, globally F-sharp folks are at the high part of this list at $74,000 a year. However, there, there's not a lot of um, a variance between the numbers. So, I mean, 74,000, the next one down 73, which is OCAML. Not sure what that's used for, not too in the know on that one. Um, but, you know, everything kind of hovers between uh, 60,000, 70,000 worldwide. Um, then when you hit United States, like those numbers jump up significantly. Yeah, they jump up significantly. And I, th- I find it interesting, some of the quirkiness in here. I mean, obviously, like you said, the, the variance is small. So in theory, if you believe these numbers, you could get a $4,000 raise by switching from JavaScript to TypeScript. Or half that if you switch to CoffeeScript, <laughs> even though you hate it. Even though you'd hate it, you'd dread it, right? 
in theory. <laughs> um, you know, or if I went from, if I was a Python developer and instead I did Erlang, I, I'll make uh, $17,000 more. What's interesting, I find like C is on here. I don't see C++. I'm assuming C maybe covers both those bases. That's it's not mm-hmm. one of the top ones. You you would assume that something more low level would be kind of more in uh, the higher scale of pay, but I guess it's maybe not what's in demand right now. Like uh, Erlang and Scala, again, those yeah. more um, I believe more in the data science realm are up at the top. Yeah, and that, I mean, you know, I I would say it's demand is relative, right? Like, I mean, if I even if I only need one Scala developer or or couple, but like there's not as many out there, I got to pay more. Number one, number two, I think some of these things get balanced out. The numbers get balanced out by the fact that if you had, depending on how many junior versus senior people are yeah. answering the survey, right? Because like your JavaScript as an example, since it's the community I know about, would have a lot, like you have a, a wide range of like a lot of new people coming into JavaScript right now, right? Um, who might be junior devs and making quite a lot less money um, versus some other languages, you know, even some that I've done in the past that like you look at those communities and these are all people who've been in there 15 years doing this yeah. stuff, you know? Um, it's you got mostly senior people. Yeah, who like have one to be one that's more. not listed in here because there so, probably isn't a Stack Overflow user slash survey taker that uses uh, COBOL. Yeah, so COBOL would probably top that list. But uh, let's let's move on to something a little a uh, little more up for some debate. Uh, there is a question about AI concerns by developer type that was really interesting to me. So the way it's broke down is they asked uh, people in different roles what they were more worried about with AI technology. Were they more worried about the f- it being used unfairly? Uh, in other words, you're going to use it to cause harm to uh, people, like group of people, you know, something of that context, right? Um and then they, the other side of the coin was, do you, you feel more strongly that you're, you're worried about the singularity? In other words, uh, the AI becoming so smart that we can't control it and it then in turn rules us. So these are the two concerns that they're, yeah. they're weighing. And they're, they're broken down by different roles in the industry, like data scientist, engineering manager, mm-hmm. uh, educator and researcher, DevOps, product, product manager, designer, or mobile developer. I don't quite know where regular uh, app developer lives in this. There doesn't seem to be that... that um, yeah, persona listed, which is also kind of odd. Uh, maybe, maybe they were impartial. I don't know. It's just it's not listed. I don't know why. But those were the things that were listed. Um, so at at the top of the scale here of, I guess the the middle of this being indifferent, like you're not you're not worried either way about how this is being used. Um, starting there. Uh, and then going up. So data scientists or machine learning specialists, 
are much more worried about it being used unfairly. Right. So they're, they're more concerned about how fair it's being used. Um, and then next one down is engineering manager. They're, they're somewhat concerned that it's being used unfairly. Um, educator, uh, academic researcher, again, somewhat concerned that it's being used unfairly. DevOps, same thing. Product manager, it's yeah, kind of concerned about being used unfairly. So all of those things fall in this category of, you know, this could be misused. Yeah. And then designer, completely opposite direction of, let's say, product manager, uh, worried about the singularity. And then to a more uh, worried extent, the mobile developer is, is concerned about the singularity. So my opinion of this, let's see where, where you agree or disagree, Brian. My opinion of this is by this chart, the people that are closer to the actual use and study of the machine learning and AI were much more concerned about the fairness of it. Whereas people that are kind of more removed from it, um, I don't know too many designers that may be involved in like AI, right? Uh, you might design the UI around the AI uh, portion of it. You might, you know, do branding for it, that sort of thing. You might be involved in that way, but you're probably not hands-on with building algorithms and whatnot. So those people are more concerned about it becoming smarter. So it's it gives me the I, I impression that the more you know about it, the less you're concerned about it getting too smart. Sure, but I will give you the, the alternate perspective here, which is that if you look at sci-fi movies, right? <laughs> yeah. The people who created the AI that did end up destroying humanity were never quite as worried as about, <laughs> about it taking over as they should have been, right? So this isn't more a question of uh, legitimate concern. It's more of a, uh, a point of view of complacency. Yeah, maybe there's maybe they should be more worried about this. <laughs> this is that, so that's how they, that's how they, Yeah, that's how they accidentally create the AI that destroys humanity is that they're not worried about it. The data so. scientists and machine learning specialists are so set yeah. in their ways and blinded by their mm -hmm. their own involvement in the technology, they cannot see it sure. being so, smarter than them. To put it another way. In 50 years, when we're all living in the matrix, we're going to look back at the survey and be like, mm, warning signs. They were right there, right yeah. in front of our eyes. And only Brian pointed it out. So um, I will be remembered in the history books, you know, as so, the kind of prophet who was ignored. Brian yeah. cannot, Brian is saying that the data scientists and machine learning specialists cannot get past their own egos. <laughs> You're gonna get my email now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brian Rinaldi at progress. dot com. If you're a data scientist and you feel like uh, you need to prove that your <laughs> your ego is not getting in the way of work, please let him know directly. So, yeah, you know, yes. one thing I wanted to bring up that uh, is also a bit of a controversial topic, but you know, and I'm not bringing it up to kind of debate, but 
before we move on to the last portion of our show, our announcements and stuff, was just it's it's somewhat sad for me to see that while you know there is some shift in the um, demographics in you know some positive shifts in our industry, it's still at least based on this survey, it's still not where it needs to be. Oh yeah, the survey in general is very telling. Yeah, I mean, we're talking all of all respondents, uh, basically ninety three percent male, which you know, I know, I know the industry is is been working towards improving that to some degree. You know, we can debate obviously how successful they've been or whatever, but uh, you know, based on this, it's not not particularly successful. There's slightly more students. Um, than the overall population, but even that is like it's it's practically a rounding error, um, yeah. you know. And and just even in terms of race and ethnicity and all these things, I mean, it's just um, yeah. It's it's not like um, there there's some error in this where men love to fill out surveys, right? I mean, yeah, this is no. there's no there's no way of skewing the results here. Yeah, no, uh, the numbers are so lopsided that even even if that were true it shouldn't be this dramatic right yeah. so um you know it's it's just it's a bit disappointing to me that we haven't yet made as much progress as we should so let, let's address this right now um so it is still uh march right so this mm-hmm. is uh women in history month okay so, mm-hmm. so this is something, um, I mean, we don't really need to highlight like why we did it and, and what it's for, but this is something that, that some of us tackled at, at work. We created, um, we, we decided to donate for the month to, uh, women who code, right? So this mm-hmm. is a good call to action for listeners. If you want to see this change, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you want to see a change and rather than just you know, complain about it, um, then do something about it. If you can, if you, you have, you know, funds to do it, donate to women who code or girls who code or one of those organizations. Uh, so you can try to have some kind of influence in, in this problem. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be like a, a large sum of money either. Like instead of grabbing a coffee this morning, donate five bucks. If, uh, all the, developers who went and did the survey did that i mean that'd be like half a million dollars right so yep not not a big deal to to do it uh, it's really quick and easy through paypal online no excuse in, unless you know you're strapped for cash which does happen so you know yep. if you can if you're able then and you want to it's a good cause well they there you go it kind of brings a full circle you went back to how much money was theoretically lost and <laughs> if you figured out the average survey the time spent plus their salary you could figure out how much this thing cost in terms of overall lost productivity said you could say like oh fill out the survey or give five dollars to women who code yeah um or or any other organizations that promote diversity in our industry yeah but it is so. it is women in history month so it's a great time to do it um, yep. I've, I've shared that message with quite a few people to, to try to just 
um, bring some awareness. It's it's a good time of year to to uh, to remind yourself of the the problem and and donate a couple bucks and let them decide how it needs to be spent. Whether it's you know conducting classes or you know broadening you know the scope of people that get involved with it. Whatever they need to do, I'm sure they could use money to do it. So now's a good time, is any. Yep, agreed. So, moving on to uh, announcements. You had some. I know you had some. Yeah, so, uh, let's see. We've got some events coming up. Um, if you are in the Louisville area, you can find me at Code Palooza on March the 27th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, I happen to live pretty close to there, so if uh, you're in town and you don't know me already, say hello. Um, we'll have a progress booth at the event. Uh, you'll probably see us up on stage doing some keynote activities. Um, I'm running a workshop and having some sessions, and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then shortly after that, I have Star Trek and in Columbus, Ohio, uh, which is one of my favorite events to attend every year because it's centered around the Avengers movies and... And what geek doesn't like a good Avengers movie? So there's yep. that. This one looks interesting. And then, Brian, you're coming to build, right? I am. This is the first time I will ever have been to build. So I'm excited. Um, so I will be there just attending uh, and helping out at the booth. If we have, you know, whatever we're doing, I don't know what we're doing. So I, ch- I just found this out. So. Um, but I am excited to get to go and kind of, you know, have the opportunity to attend and actually be an attendee at an event from, which I haven't been for a long time. Yeah, this will be my third build. Uh, so I'm pretty privileged to have the chance to go yet again. Um, the first year was in San Francisco. Uh, wasn't the best build experience. Uh, they moved it to um, their hometown of Seattle this year, mm-hmm. or last year, sorry. And uh, it was a much, much better experience. Um, and I expect this year to be uh, not only better, but uh, I've I've heard some rumors about what's coming. I can't share any information, but it's very good stuff. Keep your eyes peeled uh, during the event. And uh, Brian, we'll, we'll be out there with a podcast booth, so... Uh, you'll be joining me at least for a show or two uh, on the event awesome. floor. Uh, so there's that. And then then you have another event as well, right? Yeah, I'll be at Fluent, but that's that's not till June. But, um, you know, I definitely, it's one I highly recommend if you are in front-end development and things like that. So uh, it's really the one of the best conferences of the year. It's an O'Reilly event. Um, I will be speaking about open source licenses and well, actually licenses in general. Um, so, uh, but we, we have, it's got a fantastic lineup. So I highly recommend checking it out. And where's that one at? They moved that actually. So I, I missed last year. Um, and, uh, the, 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 was the first year they moved it from San Francisco to San Jose. So it's still in San Jose this year. They kind of co-located with, um, and I'm blanking on the name of the event, but it's their their performance-focused uh, event. Nice. Um, so yeah. if you're in San Jose around June, you said, Brian, go see Brian. Uh, so that's, uh, that's quite a busy schedule for us uh, the next couple months. 
but we will have plenty of shows coming. The next show uh, relates back to our discussion on this AI topic. Uh, I have the mm-hmm. uh, wonderful Tim Huckabee on the show next. And uh, Tim is a longtime veteran of the industry. He's worked with Microsoft for you know like 30 years. He's been on stage with Bill Gates. Uh, so it's it's great to have somebody that's got such a grip on uh, what's happening in the industry be on the show and talk about where AI and augmented mm-hmm. reality and stuff is heading. So it'll be a phenomenal show. Yeah, you can ask him about my comments. See what he thinks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Brian, thanks for uh, being part of the show, man. Uh, we'll- All right.